This is Father Aaron Williams with another podcast. If you like listening to these podcasts, please subscribe and leave a good rating on iTunes. Also, share them with your friends and check out the other great podcasts available through the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations. Just visit jacksonpriest.com. That's jacksonpriest with an S dot com. Here is my homily from the 13th Sunday of Ordinary Time, given at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Greenville, Mississippi, on the 30th of June, 2019. What is a commitment? With the school on break, I've had time to meet with some of the young couples I'm preparing for marriage. Usually, when I ask them to define marriage for me, you hear this word a lot, commitment. There's excitement at our school right now as some of our talented athletes are committing to college athletic programs. So what is a commitment? What does commitment imply? We take a loan out for a house or a car and commit to paying it back. What sort of binding power does that commitment imply? Most people take commitments pretty seriously. They know when you commit to something, it means you are binding yourself to some act, to do something, to be somewhere, to pay someone back. We respect people who keep their commitments. Now, we do this in our natural and our secular lives, but what does a commitment look like for the faith? Mother Angelica once quipped, Simply believing in the existence of God is not exactly what I would call a commitment. And that's something I've said before in other words, and I don't think you disagree. We all know that to say we are committed to Christ is different than saying we believe in him. Yet, in actuality, that's not how most Christians live, is it? A lot of Christians seem to treat their faith as if it's some sort of bargain. Our end of the bargain is to believe that Jesus exists and to go to church when we find it's not inconvenient for us. Then, if we do those things, Jesus takes us to heaven and we live forever. And it sounds pretty foolish to put it that way, but it's honestly how most Christians live their lives. A good number of Christians act like the only commitment Christ is asking from them is to show up here occasionally, and then to tell others that they are in our thoughts and prayers. Would that work with the marriage? What would happen if her husband showed up at home only occasionally, maybe twice a month, but always told everyone, oh yeah, I love my wife, I'm a family man, I'm committed to marriage? Or these athletes at our school, what's going to happen to them if the colleges they've committed to attending find out they only plan to show up to the games that they know they're starting for, and also that they don't really see the need to go to practice? Or the banks, when we send in a dollar toward our loan once a month. This isn't a homily but the collection, by the way, so you can rest easy. My point is, we all know that commitments don't work like that. In fact, we not only know that it doesn't work like that, we know it's absurd to even contemplate these sort of things as a legitimate way to live. And yet, it's how most Christians approach their commitment to the faith, isn't it? Our Lord in the Gospel today gives the example of three different responses people can make to his call. Now, I'm going to take these out of order here for a point. The first one we're going to look at is this this guy who Christ singles out from the crowd. Follow me, he tells him. The man seems to be given a positive response. He's going to follow Christ, but there's something he needs to take care of first. His father's funeral. Lord, let me go first and bury my father. 
seems like a really reasonable request. But then Christ shocks all of us with his unchristian response, doesn't he? Let the dead bury the dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Our Lord isn't really trying to tell us to reject our family, but there is a point here. Nothing can stand between us and our commitment to Christ, not even our family. Replace family with anything else that's extremely important to you, not even my job, not even my children, not even my marriage. All of those things are important, yes. And Christ cares about your concern of those things in relation to your commitment to him. So sometimes we face hard situations in the family, a spouse who doesn't want to go to church regularly, or a child who doesn't want to live a life the way they should. They want to live a sinful lifestyle. What is the response of a committed Christian? Our Lord is clear. He takes precedence. If that means we have to take all the kids to church while our spouse stays home, so be it. Let the dead bury the dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Then there's the second person. He comes forward to Christ himself. I will follow you, Lord. It's a good start. But then he adds, but first, let me say farewell to my family at home. What's happening here? This is a slightly different situation. There is something in this Christian of which he can't let go. It could be a particular vice he enjoys. It could be certain friends he knows he probably shouldn't be around. Maybe there is nostalgia. Something happened in the past which he wished didn't happen, and he wonders how things could have been different. Or he wonders how they could be different if he chose to follow some other itinerant preacher in Galilee. He wants to keep his options open. And so how does our Lord respond? No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks, what, and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Why not? I'm sure someone in Greenville could tell you that. When you're pushing a plow, you want your rows to be nice and straight. And to do that takes commitment, concentration. You can't be looking behind you and pushing ahead or you'll end up with crooked furrows. Christ is not looking for half-committed Christians. When he calls, there's no looking behind. And now don't forget, his grace is there to assist us, particularly in the sacraments of confession and the Holy Eucharist. Through these sacraments, he sets us free, writes St. Paul, free from the yoke of slavery to sin. Look at the example of Elisha from the first reading. The prophet Elijah comes forward and calls the young Elisha to come and follow him. Elisha is a wealthy man with land and oxen. But hearing the call of the prophet, he doesn't simply drop what he's doing and follow. No, he takes the very yoke of his former life, literally the yoke on these oxen, and he makes it kindling for a fire. And there he offers all his oxen in sacrifice. He sacrifices his entire past to God and then follows, leaving nothing behind. And this brings us to the final person in the gospel story. This one comes up to Christ and says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Christ is moved by his words, but he doesn't want him to be disillusioned. And so he tells him, foxes have dens and the birds of the sky have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to rest his head. There is going to be a high standard. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain. And Christ is going to be honest about that. It's not going to be an easy road in this life. And St. Luke doesn't tell us how this man replies, perhaps because we are meant to ask ourselves, are we ready to make this commitment? Are we ready and willing to leave behind our former selves and to follow Christ unreservedly? That's the model he gives us in the gospel. The whole passage starts with St. Luke telling us that Christ is resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem. 
What awaits him there? Suffering. Death. That's the goal upon which he has set his determination, because behind that death is eternal life. And so too with us. Heaven is not the reward for the light-hearted Christian who doesn't really let the Lord affect their lives. There is nothing owed to us. This isn't a bargain. It's an invitation. Christ is looking at all of us and says, follow me. He is inviting us to follow him with resolute determination. I will follow you wherever you go. And if this is the response we give to the Lord's call, then all of us, you and me, we will join with the psalmist today and say, You are my inheritance, O Lord.